Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? If you could bring back any cereal from your childhood, what would it be? Any cereal. You know, the first one that comes to my mind is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cereal, which I loved. And I ate one time, I ate too much of it and I threw it up. And so I could never eat it again. (laughs) Did you actually like it or did you just like that it was Ninja Turtles? You know, I don't remember. I'm sure it was that it was Ninja Turtles. I do know that it just made my brain break. And I would, I would go, I would go haywire. Then I think that you've had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles every time we've ever recorded <laughs> any episode of any podcast ever. I now know having kids like it's like we just can't do it because it literally makes their they the can't break. they don't know yeah they don't they don't know how to function it's unbelievable and you're sure it's not Heather just being like oh we can't do this Darren because it makes the kids crazy not you crazy it's the kids she just finally has a way to say no to you gently that may be true yeah all right man we'll see you all right good talking to you all All right right, bye from no you media group this is 30 pop a weekly peek back at the music movies sports fashion politics and news from 30 years ago i'm your host luke brauner This is Season 3, Episode 3, A War and an Award Show. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, January 19th, 1991. Hello friends, welcome to another episode of 30 Pop. Hopefully you've all been well since we last spoke, like a few days ago. In times like these, you just honestly never know, which is all the more reason to spend a few minutes together now escaping these times and revisiting our collective past, specifically this week in 1991. 30 years ago this week for the 11th straight week, the number one album in the country belonged to Vanilla Ice with his seven times platinum selling major label debut to the extreme which had quickly become the highest-selling hip-hop album of all time at that point, despite being critically reviled, or at best dismissed, by most leading industry voices. For example, Entertainment Weekly's Dom Lombardo described the album as being, quote, so consistent in its borrowings that it could be a parody if it weren't for its total absence of wit. Burn. And I'm not kidding when I say that was the kindest review I could find of the album. I'm sure Ice would have been bothered by the consistently negative reviews had he not been too busy counting or spending or swimming in his newfound wealth after selling 7 million albums in just under 6 months' time off the success of a single song he penned as a 16-year-old kid. Ice had won the hearts and attentive ears of the masses, especially the youth. And while he wouldn't keep them for long, he certainly made the most of his moment in pop culture history. In fact, he still seems to be making the most of that moment 30 years later ringing his stage name out for every last dollar and dime it's worth. And why not, I guess. New in music stores this week in 1991 was another hip-hop debut, one that despite significantly fewer sales than Vanilla Ice, although still platinum, has been remembered with far more critical reverence. 
West Coast rapper DJ Quick's Quick is the Name. This album set the tone for the G-Funk era music that would follow in the 90s, most notably in the form of Warren G's song Regulate. While Quick is not the household name that Vanilla Ice is today, or perhaps even Warren G, for those who really know and love the hip-hop genre, Quick has remained relevant throughout the last 30 years and has held an infinitely higher esteem today than either of the latter. In other music news, on January 15, 1991, an all-star lineup of some of the day's biggest music and pop culture names, including Tom Petty, Cyndi Lauper, MC Hammer, Little Richard, Kadeem Hardison, Randy Newman, Bruce Hornsby, LL Cool J, and so many more, assembled at the behest of producer Lenny Kravitz and calling themselves the Peace Choir, released an honestly and unfortunately terrible, but no less nostalgic, newly written rendition of John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance. Everybody's talking about Planet Earth, Rebirth, United Nations, Good Relations, Space Station, Starvation, Radiation, Salvation, Education, Liberation, all, all we This version of the song came about as U.S. involvement in the Persian Gulf was rapidly escalating and war was seeming increasingly imminent. Lenny Kravitz reached out to Yoko Ono and asked for permission to record an updated version of her late husband's song, which he co-wrote with John and Yoko's son, Sean, who also features prominently in the music video, which aired almost nonstop on MTV in those days. Within nine days of its conception, the project had been written, recorded, and widely distributed. And despite being a bit of a mess musically, far inferior to the work of its elder musical supergroup siblings, Band-Aid and USA for Africa, was beloved at the time by those who opposed the notion of going to war. The protest, however, did little to prevent war in the end, unfortunately, as the U.S. did declare war the very next day, January 16, 1991, beginning Operation Desert Storm on January 17th. The announcement from President Bush came on the evening of the 16th, interrupting all the major television networks' scheduled broadcasts and nearly ruining, but not quite, the 6th Annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, in which the musical legacies of Ike and Tina Turner, Jimmy Reed, John Lee Hooker, Laverne Baker, The Birds, The Impressions, Wilson Pickett, and the late Howlin' Wolf were given a permanent home in the annals of music history. Three days later, on January 19th, there was more music news. When Janet Jackson's song, Love Will Never Do Without You, became the top song on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, making Janet the first artist in history to have seven singles from a single album chart in the top five. The song felt in some ways like a departure from the rest of Rhythm Nation 1814, but in like a really good way. It lacked the edge of Black Cat, but it had so much more pop appeal. It's still kind of a jam, to be honest. New to the top of the hot R&B and hip-hop chart this week was Surface, with The First Time, which 
I can't even talk about right now. We're going to get into that one next week. And the rest of our Billboard charts remained unchanged this week in 1991. LL Cool J was still at the top of the hot rap chart with Around the Way Girl, and Garth Brooks led the way on the hot country chart once again with Unanswered Prayers. In Hollywood, while Home Alone continued to dominate at the box office, there were lots of new releases 30 years ago this week, none of which I've ever seen and none of which I care to see. There was Eve of Destruction with Gregory Hines, which was, for all intents and purposes, Terminator, but with a female robot and no time travel. There was Flight of the Intruder, which was a poor man's top gun, but with Willem Dafoe and Danny Glover in the lead roles. There was the John Turturro-led mobster adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth, entitled Men of Respect, and the very odd romantic dramedy Once Around, in which Richard Dreyfuss, who was then 44 years old but didn't look a day under 65, plays a character who becomes romantically involved with Holly Hunter's character. Holly Hunter was 32 at the time, but didn't look a day over 23. An odd pairing, to be sure. Lastly, Disney's White Fang released in theaters this week in 1991, which probably should have interested me, but just didn't. The only other real pop culture news from this week in 1991 was that of the 48th annual Golden Globe Awards, in which the big winners for the night included Dances with Wolves, Green Card, Jeremy Irons, Kathy Bates, Gerard Depardieu, Julia Roberts, Whoopi Goldberg, Kevin Costner, and John Bon Jovi. And in which the movie Ghost was inexplicably nominated in the Best Musical or Comedy category. Which means someone in Hollywood really didn't understand that movie. Or maybe I didn't. Who knows? Anyway, friends, that's all I've got for you today. I do have another bonus episode coming in a few days, though, so be sure to check that out. And I'll be back next week with another fun, full episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Until next week, remember, there's no easy explanation for it. But whenever there's a problem, we always work it out somehow. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 30 years ago that you want to share, leave a message on the answering machine at 30pop.com. <laughs>